0: a place of flame and smoke where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. And it is forever and ever. And here are these people they are praising God because God is going to judge this Jew-hating, Christian-murdering, man-glorifying, ego-centered, mother-nature-worshiping world. And he's going to bring judgment. And it will be unrelenting. It will be forever and ever and ever
1: This is Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogi, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Buford, South Carolina. We're in Chapter 19 of Revelation as we continue our study in this prophetic book of the Bible. It's in this section of Scripture that we see four angels giving glory to God for having exercised righteous judgment over those who have given allegiance to the Antichrist and who've been living lives dedicated to themselves and to false idols. As we rejoin Dr. Berge, he gives some insight into this type of praise offered by the angels.
0: Now, we don't often think about praising God for putting down evil. But you just read your Bible and you see it's a common theme. Psalm 104, verse 35. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This kind of praise of God's righteous judgment on sinners is found many times in Scripture. The Psalms often praise God for putting down evil because when they praise God for putting down evil, they're praising Him that He is a holy God, that He is a just God. Salvation and glory and power, it's actually articular. It's the salvation, the glory, doxa, we get our word doxology from it. God's moral glory is being seen, God's deliverance, here the word salvation is not as the way we often use it, but sometimes it's used in the Bible of God delivering someone from danger. God has delivered his people from the persecution of Babylon. His glory, his moral glory is being seen in his power, the power. Dunamis, we got our word dynamite from it. And again, it's very clear that they're praising God as he executes these judgment because the very first word in verse two is because. We're praising you, God, because. His judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. They're praising God, not simply for the deliverance that he has given them, but because of his justice that has been expressed. Now put out in the margin there, would you, Psalm 19.9, Psalm 19.9, if you have the New American Standard, you will notice that there's a change in typeset, right? And that tells you right off, as it is in 99.9% of the cases, that this is an Old Testament quote, and he's quoting Psalm 19. Most of us know how this psalm opens. King David begins with general revelation for the choir director, a Psalm of David That's actually verse 1 in the Hebrew Bible and in many languages of the world. And then verse 2 is what we have as our verse 1. But that little inscription on the front of the psalm is inspired by the Spirit of God. The only thing that's not inspired is the chapter title. And so the NAS may have one chapter title, and the NIV and the ESV, a different one. And the verse opens, the heavens, they're telling of the glory of God and their expanse. Is declaring the work of his hands. And then he moves from that general revelation, that information that God has revealed to all men everywhere, wherever they live on the planet, which is why Paul says no one can say they're atheistic because God's fingerprints are all over his creation. But then he goes to specific revelation, that revelation that God has given through his written word. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And then the verse that John quotes is the next verse in that psalm. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. God's judgments are true. They are righteous. And that's what he's quoting here. Because his judgments are true and righteous And so these saints in heaven, the church has been raptured, and they have been greeted by multiplied millions who have been slaughtered by the Antichrist in a Christ-hating world. And God is now vindicating his people. And so God has judged the great harlot the capital of the Antichrist, Babylon, who is corrupting the earth with her immorality and he's avenged the blood of his bondservants. You will notice also, again, a second set of caps. Right out on the margin, Deuteronomy 32, 43. Deuteronomy 32, 43. Now Moses, on three occasions, writes a song or a prayer of sorts. One is in Exodus, um, Exodus chapter 15, one's in Psalm 90, and one's in Deuteronomy 32. And by the way, just as a helpful guide in your personal Bible study, when you see an Old Testament quotation, hopefully you have a Bible with marginal notes, you'll go out into the margin, see where it's from, and then you'll go back and maybe read that whole chapter of Scripture. What does that do for you? It will make it pop for you. You go back and you say, read that whole chapter, where maybe just a portion of it is being quoted, and you understand the context and what's going on, and why the Spirit of God, through the pen of the Apostle John, would even use this verse. And so Moses writes these three uh, hymns of sorts. And let me read to you some, I mean, Deuteronomy 32 43. Moses writes, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. And he will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Moses is looking down the corridors of time to the final error before the Messiah comes to rule and reign on the earth. And so John takes Psalm 19, Psalm 32, he blades them together. His judgments are true and righteous. He has judged the great harlot who's corrupted the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservant on her. They're praising God for his truth, for his justice, for his fairness, for his righteousness. You say, that seems kind of harsh, Pastor. That they're praising God that he's judging The peoples of the world, listen, they're not rejoicing so much in the punishment of the wicked as they are in the expression of God's justice and holiness. And understand, there is a time now in human history where no one else is going to get saved. We've reached that time. No one else is going to believe. The only people who are left on the earth that are unregenerate, will never, ever, ever believe. And the only thing that is left for them is God's just judgment. There's a part of you that does that every day. You see some hateful murderer who's wiped out children. You see some pervert who's abused little kids. And there's a part of you that says, I want to see justice satisfied. Why do you think that way? Because God wrote his law into your heart, and his law is an expression of his character, Romans 2.15. Well, we are at a point in human history where all these lost people, all they are going to do is reject God's Messiah, and God's people in heaven are praising him because now his justice is going to fall. That's him number one, stanza number one. Stanza number two, the hallelujah of God's sentence. We read now in verse 3, and a second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. Now, this is not simply the second verse, the same as the first, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. No, there's a heightened reason for their praise. There's a finality now to God's judgment. Her smoke, her who, her Babylon who has led the way in persecuting the saints of God and propagating wickedness and immorality. The great harlot has been judged. And notice again, he's quoting an Old Testament prophet. Put out on the margin, Isaiah 34.10, her smoke rises up forever and ever. Now, the fact that the smoke of Babylon literally rose up as God burned the place into oblivion like he did Sodom and Gomorrah, It's obviously going to expire. In fact, the whole earth is going to expire. When we come to the 21st chapter, God's going to burn the whole planet with fire, create a new heaven and a new earth, which, by the way, is a real problem for the old earth people who say we've been here for billions of years. Oh, it took God billions of years to pull it off. No, Moses said in Exodus 20, when he gives divine commentary on Genesis 1 through 3, it took six days. And if it took billions of years, then why in an instant of time, God's not going to take six days. He's just going to speak a whole new universe in a moment. Her smoke rises up. You go back and you read Isaiah and you discover that Isaiah is speaking of that time when the Messiah comes back and he will judge the world with equity and in righteousness. And God will indeed make a new heaven and a new earth. But the language itself brings you into the gospels because that's how Jesus described Gehenna. A place of flame and smoke where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. And it is forever and ever. And here are these people, they're praising God because God is gonna judge this Jew-hating, Christian-murdering, man-glorifying, ego-centered, mother nature worshiping world and he's gonna bring judgment and it will be unrelenting it will be forever and ever and ever. Listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy thirty two, forty three. Again, rejoice, O nations. With his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on her adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Listen to what King David said in Psalm 96. Let the heavens be glad and let the nations rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult in all that is in it. Why? Why should all of nature sing praise to God? Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. As I said earlier, maybe people today think it's insensitive or rude or hateful to praise God for his judgment. But you can't divide God up into some God that you've created in your own image. And we will praise God just as much for his wrath that expresses his holiness and his justice as we will for his love and his mercy and His grace. That brings us to stanza three. We're almost done. The hallelujah of God's sovereignty. Stanza one is the hallelujah of His salvation. Stanza two, the hallelujah of His sentence. Now, the hallelujah of God's sovereignty. Verse four, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. Remember the 24 elders? We were first introduced to them in chapter 4. They've appeared six times in the Revelation. In chapter 4, when the door is opened and the church is brought into heaven, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now, again, there are Christians in America who teach replacement theology that God's done with the Jew. The church has replaced Israel, and they want to make these 24 elders Israel. Listen, this is before the tribulation. Israel, largely today, is an unbelief. The tribulation hasn't even started yet in Revelation 4. These are church saints. Some will say, well, that's got to be true, so maybe these are angels. These aren't angels. Angels don't sit on thrones. They're ministering spirits sent out to render service to those who will inherit salvation. They serve us. Co-regency with Christ is promised to his people, the church, and later the Jewish people. And to call these 24 elders angels is really an oxymoron because typically in the Bible, Presbyteroi, we got a word Presbyterian from it, is used of older gentlemen. Older men and angels, of course, don't age. Not to mention, while angels can appear in white throughout the Revelation, those appearing in white are those who've been robed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And the only ones who will wear crowns in heaven will not be angels. It will be God's saints, as we studied in Revelation chapter 2 with the church at Smyrna. Twenty-four elders. Why does he have 24? It's a representative number that appears six times here in the Revelation and it's a representative number in Scripture for a large group. We studied this when we were back in chapter four. I know it was a long time ago, but if you remember 1 Chronicles 24, there's 24 divisions in the Old Testament priesthood, and they represent thousands of priests. In 1 Chronicles 25, we saw there was 25 divisions of singers in the temple of these choirs, and they represent thousands of choir members. And these 24 elders, they can't represent angels because angels serve. They don't reign. They don't sit on thrones. It's not Israel because they're going to come to faith. This is the church in heaven. They have been raptured before the wrath of the Lamb begins. And when we come to the 20th chapter, for those Christians who teach, we'll be here for the tribulation. I will show you how that is an absolute impossible view to take. God's Word will be so clear to you hallelujah, praise God, they're excited. I heard about a lady, she was in a church, you know, God's frozen, chosen. I mean, it was a dead church. And she got saved late in life. She got saved through a Billy Graham crusade. And she started going to the church, and every once in a while, the pastor would actually read a Bible verse, and she'd say, hallelujah. And people would kind of look at her, no one had ever done that in the church before, and he preached a little, hello. And finally, a couple of the ushers said, ma'am, you got to be a little quieter here. I know you've been a member here for 50 years, but you've never done this before. What's happened to you? I got religion. I got saved. Well, Finally, she kept shouting, and four ushers started to carry her out. And she kept saying, hallelujah. He said, why are you saying hallelujah now? We're taking you out of this place. She said, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he came in on one donkey. I'm leaving by four donkeys. <laughs> Listen, if you could fully grasp all that God is, all that he has done, and all that is ours is his children and what he is going to do, you would shout hallelujah until you are hoarse. And you will in heaven and you won't get hoarse because you'll be in a resurrection body. Listen, every time we meet these 24 elders, they are praising the living God and they're praising him again with the four living creatures, The old King James says the four beasts. The new King James properly says the four living creatures, because this is not some heinous, hideous creature, even like the Antichrist. Four living Zoah. These are four living creatures, and we've studied them, and we looked at the prophet Ezekiel, that these are the cherubim of God that lead uh, in the worship of God's people. Cherubs are not little angels with wings going around throwing darts to make people fall in love. No such thing, it's good on a Hallmark card, but it's bad theology. These four living creatures, just like angels, can change their appearance and become like humans so that you can entertain them without knowing it. These four living creatures can change their appearance and they are so thrilled and so excited and so glad that they did not listen to Satan. And their career has been one of praising the living God. The 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne and they say, amen, hallelujah. The throne, we've seen that all the way through the revelation. And it's used to emphasize God's dignity, God's sovereign rule that he is above all, that he in his magnificence and all of his glory and power will someday literally bring that power to earth. And what saints have prayed for 2,000 years, Lord, your will be done literally on earth as it is in heaven will actually come true. Korah wrote in Psalm 47, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. King David said in Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all in one day, as Philippians 2 indicates, all of creation will acknowledge that. And here they are, they fall down on their faces and they say, amen, hallelujah. Now, there's only one place in Scripture where those two words are dovetailed like that other than this verse, and it's Psalm 106, 48. There we read, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say, amen. And it's the word, hallelujah, translated here, praise the Lord. The uh, LEB Bible says, amen, praise Yah. Again, it's the word for hallelujah, Now, amen, that's a word you need to know. We use it a lot in Christendom today, and the word generally means to signify agreement with something or something you give approval with, but it's not always used that way. It's usually used that way when it's found, say, at the end of a verse or the end of a prayer, but very often, though, it doesn't come out in our English Bibles, but some of you are using languages this morning from your native tongue, and the first Two words sometimes that a verse when Jesus said, like, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Actually, the Bible says, Amen, amen, I say to you. And there the word amen comes out in the front of a verse. And when you see the word truly, truly, or verily, verily, in the old King James, or literally, Amen, amen. God is affirming, not only is the speaker saying what is true, the speaker is saying it with absolute authority. And by the way, every time Jesus says, amen, amen, truly, truly, you ought to listen because he is the omniscient God. And so at the beginning of the verse, it's an affirmation of truth by someone who can speak it as true, for Jesus is the truth. And at the end of a verse or a prayer, and sometimes we want to double our agreement, we say amen and amen. Here are these people in heaven, falling on their face, saying amen, hallelujah. Those are two good words. I had a woman here 25 years ago, we had just moved into our first building, and she seemed like every four words she said, amen. And I think if I said, the devil is a great person, she would have said, amen. It was one of those kind of thoughtless things, just amen, 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 and it was not Finally, I said to one of the ushers, you know, you need to tone this down just a little bit, because it's distracting. But sometimes your heart is just so overfilled, you need to say amen, and that's okay. But we don't use the word flippantly any more than we use the word hallelujah flippantly, because we don't take God's name in vain. We just don't say praise the Lord and not really think of it carefully. But understand, here in heaven they're saying amen, hallelujah. Why don't we try that? I'll say amen. You say hallelujah. Amen. That's the language of heaven, and we're going to be there someday. Finally, there's the hallelujah of God's supremacy. In case you're a little reluctant to offer praise, let me remind you here in verse 5, an angel commands it, and a voice came from the throne room. And this voice is not God the Father or God the Son speaking, because this voice says, give praise to our God. And all you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. He is addressing believers who are in heaven, God's slaves, God's bondservants, those who fear him, because that's what true believers do. Then I heard, verse 6, something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. This is the fourth hallelujah. And John tells us it sounds like a great multitude. I was walking with one of my sons up to the stadium in Columbia years ago, and all of a sudden this explosive noise came out of the stadium. Something happened, I don't know what it was, but something happened that was big. Well, you think of 80,000 fans shouting and screaming. There's this great multitude in heaven that is compared also to many waters. I remember as a young boy, my dad taking me on that little boat by the falls of Niagara, and those mighty waters just thundering down over the top of those falls like mighty peals of thunder, and they are saying, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. This speaks of God's supremacy, that He is victorious, that He is ruling, that He is omnipotent. He is reigning today in heaven, but someday his reign is going to come to the earth. And even at the birth of the Messiah, when he leaves heaven and he's incarnated in human flesh, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, this little baby you're gonna have, he'll be great. And he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And the beginning of that fulfillment is about to happen. We'll study it next week. And all the recipients of heaven are so excited. It's explosive. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Are you ready for this date? Do you know the living God? Have you met Him in a personal way? You must be born again verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. There's no neutrality in Christ's kingdom. He who is not with me scatters. He who does not gather, he's against me. Today, if you hear his voice, the Bible warns, don't harden your heart. You can keep saying no to God, and you will come to a point where you will say a final no, and you will never, ever, ever again be able to say yes. And that's why there's a sense of urgency. And that's why there is to be a sense of obedience on the part of the people of God to share the message. Father, thank You for this portion of Scripture as we are about to study the return of your Son from heaven to the earth, thank you that every single prophecy concerning his first coming you literally actually fulfilled. And thank you that every prophecy for his second coming you will fulfill and you are even fulfilling in our day with Israel. We bless you for the integrity of your word. With the psalmist, we say it is righteous and is true. So help us to heed it, help us to feed upon it, help us to meditate on your holy word like newborn babes that we might grow in respect to our salvation as we long for the pure milk of the word. Help us in this new week to care for the souls around us, some who are caught up in all kinds of sin and turmoil but many not because they are in outright rebellion, but because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Help us to be involved in the rescuing of souls this week, to care about the people that we will see and meet. And help, Father, someone today who has never called upon Jesus' name in faith. Thank you that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thank you that your word says he received sinful men but help someone to know that they can never do enough to earn heaven. Your word says it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can brag. Thank you, Lord Jesus, with your own precious blood, you purchased the gift of eternal life for us. Help someone today in repentance and faith to come to Jesus. Help someone today, Father, to say, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me, and change me. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: To listen again to today's study from Revelation 19, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV53, entitled A Song Sung in Heaven. Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. For more information about this ministry, call 877-787-7478. Thank you. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll begin a look at the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Join us then as we search the Scriptures.